Hello and welcome to the NCETM podcast with me, Gwen Trezida, Communications Manager at NCETM. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on a brand new NCETM secondary resource called Checkpoints that has been published over the course of this year, 2021-22. With me today, I have Steph Kirk, a teacher and curriculum lead from Barnsley, who has been using the Checkpoints activities this term with her year sevens. Hi there, Steph. Hi. And I also have one of the Checkpoints authors, Becky Donaldson, who is an assistant director in the NCETM secondary team. Hi, Becky. Hi, Gwen. So let's get straight in there and find out what a checkpoint is. Becky, do you want to start um, just by telling us in a nutshell, what is a checkpoint and what is it designed to do? Sure. So um, checkpoints are 10 minute-ish, we're not really putting a time on it, diagnostic activities to be used with Year 7. So we're designing them um, with the help of some primary colleagues to make sure that they are only assessing primary content and they're designed to help teachers assess what students know, what they can do, as well as any gaps before teaching their Year 7 curriculum. And is it specifically looking at the sort of situation where we've had two years of disrupted schooling? Yeah, absolutely. We um, and the DfE can recognise that the last two years of their of their primary um, experience of the current Year 7s has been really disrupted and that potentially there's a greater range than normal. There'll be some children who really struggled with homeschooling, um, had periods of not learning uh, as much as they normally would do. But there'll also be some who probably thrived and who actually got on quite well with homeschooling. And it's recognising that massive range and that you might need more than normal um, in your classroom to help work out what they know and don't know. Um, we've really designed them to be not just about finding gaps, as I said, but also about giving children opportunity to show what they do know as well. So they're not little test activities, they're activities that are to be done and discussed and worked on together as a class to really give um, kids a chance to show what they know and talk about it. Right, okay. But am I right in thinking that the they've been designed to be useful beyond this year as well? You know, wouldn't it be lovely if we just went back to normal after this year? But next year, if that is the case, uh, I'm looking at them and thinking, oh, I'd like to use these with Year 7s for the rest of time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've looked at the primary curriculum and within the, the checkpoints, there's guidance about what's in the primary curriculum, um, which so they could they stand the test of time. They could be used um, this year or beyond. And we've actually found that a lot of people are using them beyond Year 7 as well. So, um, yeah, they are they're, they're, they're designed for this year because this year is a particular need. But they're definitely activities that we hope will stand the test of time and be useful in the long term. Right. OK. Um, and Steph, do you want to tell us a little bit about the context that you're using these in? So tell us a little bit about your school, can you? Yeah, so um, my school is a brand new school. Um, wow. So really exciting. Yeah. So we've just got year seven at the moment and then obviously we'll we'll build up year on year. Um, so when these checkpoints came about, I was thinking, oh, this is absolutely perfect. You know, we've we've got 25 26 different feeders so I wasn't sure kind of where the children were going to be at um so yeah they just came at a really really good time um with it just being year seven um yeah so you you must have more than one year seven class then as well which is quite an unusual situation isn't it yeah so we've got six um year seven classes across the year group um so it is one of those things where you know sometimes you're in a kind of trial and error situation with one of your year seven classes you know you're trying it um you're trying one of the checkpoints out you're kind of learning what the 
tricky bits were within that checkpoint or or whether you should have actually used some of the guidance um, that Becky's put in place. Um, but then next time, because you're about to do that checkpoint again, potentially, you can rectify all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's amazing. Right. And have you been teaching very long? So I've been teaching since 2012. Right. Um, yeah, so so quite a, a length of time now. Um, yeah. So I've worked in our our mat for for five years, um, and I've worked for the for the NCTM. So I was um, assistant math sub lead for the West Yorkshire math sub as well, uh, but always kind of had half and half in the classroom and for West Yorkshire math sub as well. So now going back in there full time is yeah really exciting. Right. And how do the year seven seem this year? Do you notice that they've had all this disrupted schooling? Um. Do you know what? I feel like they are, and it sounds really probably bad to say, but maybe better than I expected. Um, there's a there's a couple of things that we've picked up on. So so for example, um, like with one of my year seven classes, we were um, in, in it might be one of the checkpoints or just a, a rewind six, which we do at the beginning of the class. It was something about multiplying by ten, and a couple of them in the room um, did a column multiplication. And I thought straight away, oh, no, like, you know, those basic like number facts thinking. But at the same time, they were really good at doing a multiple, um, a column multiplication. So so it's kind of like they've got those. They've come in knowing those procedures and they can do, you know, column subtraction, column multiplication over and over again. But I think what we're going to find is those basic number facts are not where I would want them to be, like multiplying by 10, 100, um, yeah, whatever it might be. But one thing that I've picked up on is um, that they're not, they don't want to shy away from reasoning, actually. Oh. So when I've presented them with like, you know, um, a question that's like, explain your answer or let's discuss this as a class, actually, they're willing to get, to kind of dive straight in. Like, and that's, I, I'd rather have that, I think, um, and have that, like they're not they're not they're, they're not willing to shy away from challenge and right. kind of yeah so it's a, it's a balance but on the whole the year group's quite strong to be honest yeah right, right. that's good to hear um and I believe Becky you've also taught in a new start school is that right yeah so my second school back in 2012 when Steph started teaching was um Bolingbrook Academy in London and we were a startup as well so I had just year sevens and like Steph said it is the best PD because you have all this focus on year seven you get to know year seven maths inside out and then you do the same again for year eight and year nine it's full on because there's a lot of new stuff and you're starting a school but um yeah I absolutely love the experience right right um and so what's your role at NCETM? So I joined earlier this year as assistant director in the secondary team. So um, I'm involved in some of the NCPs that we run, um, particularly the five to eight continuity, which is a, um, a project that is alongside these checkpoints um, and looks at transition and on primaries and secondaries working together. And then, yeah, a huge chunk of my time has been writing checkpoints, which I've really, really enjoyed. Right. And you just joined this year, didn't you? So did you come straight from your new start school to NCTM or? No, I've had um, four or five years since then working for a mat in Bristol. So um, it was a small mat, but it had primary, secondary and an all through school in. So I had that sort of foot in both camps a little bit. So very much a secondary trained teacher, but had some experience of working in primary, particularly with our year six teams, which has really helped with kind of the subject knowledge needed for, for designing tasks that check year six content. Yeah, I bet. OK, let's get into um, how Steph's using them in the classroom. So 
Steph, do you want to do, do you want to explain how you generally how you go about using a checkpoint in the classroom? Yes. Um, so probably what I would, um, if it's worth mentioning from um, the beginning, is that um, we are we're not using the NCTM uh, sample framework. Um, so we're using a different scheme of learning, and therefore the checkpoints don't um, exactly match up. So the first thing that that we've done is tried to match. Um, the checkpoints across to the scheme of learning that we're using um, and 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 while that um, I, I've tried to map it up best I can actually we found that there's a lot of um, checkpoints in the other ones such as property of number and, and batch one place value that actually I could have I could have fed in so I've got a little bit more work to do um, but at the moment we are using them we're attempting to use them kind of a week or two weeks before that block comes up um, right. yeah so it's not kind of married up at the moment but we're we're on algebra notation um, so I've tried to be using the um, batch four that's that's kind of digging into all that um, like pre-work to do with algebra I've tried to do that like a week or two weeks before we start that just so I can kind of assess their mindset what they're doing what they're thinking um, before I kind of dive into that topic um, so so I've been using them at the beginning as like a we call it a rewind six. Um, so I've been using the first 10 minutes of each of each lesson to do the checkpoints, maybe like two or three times a week. Um, and like I said, just uh, just assessing where they are. But but actually, they've, they've I've kind of been pre teaching what I'm about to be doing as well. So while I'm like assessing, it's been nice for me to think, oh, actually, um, I need to keep feeding that in there and like pre teaching so that that almost like the gap in the classes yeah if there was any that were struggling on these concepts they've they've kind of been brought up a little bit to right. where the class needs to be if that makes sense yeah yeah um, because I started using the checkpoints kind of straight away in September it helped I feel like it helped me in my classes to like set the barrier set 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 the ceiling for um like hard work resilience not giving up on a problem uh, reasoning bit of problem you know because they're not they're not all fluency based there's, there's a lot of thinking it's a chance for children to think deeply during that time um and because I went straight in with it in September maybe that's impacted my perception of them thinking oh, actually they're not will like they're not going to shy away from a problem they're going to dive straight in and they're not going to give up they're gonna so that's been really helpful as well that's regardless really of everything else yeah yeah that's really great to hear I think you're right that they're not all I think that maybe that's something that is important to say that they're all called checkpoints but they're not all the same there are some that are quite fluency based I'm thinking about one from deck three which is um six divisions and they're just six divisions and they are designed quite carefully so that you can see the where the first two the what the children have to do in the division is much more straightforward so it builds and if they start to stumble hopefully it'll be in a kind of a, in a progression through the the problems you can see where the issues are it can kind of um, breaks it down a bit more but there are some that are really low floor high ceiling problem solving type activities um so yeah hopefully that's it's a chance to check some fluency but also some of them will be a chance to like you say just see it, how they cope with getting stuck into a task and um if, if that's the kind of maths they're doing from year seven then you'll hopefully have a really good ride through key stage three and key stage four. Um, there's a there's a really lovely quote that we used in the seminar. Like I won't try and quote it because I, I have, will not be able to do it justice. But it talks about how um, 
children post lockdown need to have challenging work. It's not just about remedial catch up. They should be given the opportunity to think and do really interesting maths. And that's what we really believe that assessment doesn't have to be boring test questions. Not that test questions are all boring, but they can be really meaty maths that they get stuck into and talk about. And those conversations will teach you so much. And just just for our listeners, um, these checkpoints are being published over the course of the year. Um, Batch one and two have been out for a little while now, since the beginning of September. And batch three and four were just published yesterday. So Mm -hmm. and we're now are we the 29th of September. So uh, we're at the end of September. We've got four batches out and there's loads of material there already. And we're going to be keeping publishing them over the year. uh, Becky, can we move back to you now and um, can you tell us a bit about the process of writing the checkpoints? Uh, in fact, maybe you want to start by just describing how each of the PowerPoint uh, decks is structured. Yeah, sure. So they are structured into decks on a theme. So there's going to be nine decks over the course of the year um, and there should be six out by Christmas. So that really front loading it because we know that not every school will be following the sample curriculum framework. So although it's designed around that framework, we want to make sure there's a mu- as much out as possible so people can adapt it like Steph is to their own schemes of work. Um, so within the deck at the start, you have your kind of a brief introduction and some guidance um, and a, an interactive contents page. So you can just click hyperlinks throughout the deck and navigate it really easily. And then before each section, we have a, a, a slide that introduces the key stage two and sometimes key stage one relevant content. So teachers have a, a look back into primary and then details what the expectations are at key stage three. So there's always kind of a, a guidance slide that lets people know where children should have been we know that it might not reflect every child's experience but what they should have done and what we what the expectations are for key stage three and then the checkpoint itself um, has a, a notes um, section with some suggested questioning the answers this was by popular demand from our teacher <laughs> panels no one wants to be working out the answers on the fly um, and just a brief bit of guidance and then after um, the checkpoint there's a full guidance slide um, and we we really listened to a teacher panel when we were designing these um, to find out what would be useful for teachers so there's suggestions for support and challenge um, particularly thinking about you know, these want to stand the test of time, but this year particularly, there might need to be some more adaptations when you've got such a range of children in front of you. We look at the representations um, in this slide as well. And again, we're really thinking about primary here because the representations used at secondary are often quite different from primary. We're trying to smooth that experience for children. So helping secondary teachers understand what this might have looked like at primary, what stuff they might have used to represent while they were in their primary schools. Um, and then we've also got kind of a chunk in there about assessing understanding. So what is the main point of this task? What might you want to draw out? What mistakes children might make and what this might mean about their understanding? Um, and then at the bottom of that slide, um, we have some links to some kind of additional activities. So they might be out of the deck. They might be to um, some year six materials or some secondary materials. Um, or they might be from within the deck, so the very back of the deck, because Richard, who writes with me and I, just can't help ourselves. We have written some additional activities, which we decided to keep <laughs> um, And some of these are precursors. So Steph and I were talking yesterday about some that she used as sort of, they weren't quite ready for that checkpoint, so they needed a precursor to help them in. And some of them are, are extension. I hate the word extension, but they are kind of places you might go next with children, particularly in the algebra deck. I find that really fascinating to write because... Algebra looks very different at primary. It's not formula. It's not how we do algebra at secondary. It's not letters and, and notation, but they do a heck of a lot of algebraic thinking and some quite challenging algebraic thinking in the problems they're exposed to. So in the algebra deck, we were very strict with ourselves. They're very primary focused. They look like they're the kind of things that primary children should have experienced. 
And then in the additional activities, we look a little bit at how this might bridge into secondary. So, for example, um, checkpoint one is a balance beam activity. And then additional activity A looks at how that might be related to an equation as you would show them at secondary and how you might link between the two. Right, right. That sounds quite revolutionary to me because I am thinking back to when I was teaching year sevens, which isn't a million years ago. Um, and I'm not sure that there was, we had any access to what was going on in key stage two at all. I think we just had to kind of make do with what was in front of us. Yeah, I was just going to add, actually, I think you've produced something, obviously, while we've got all the aims of the checkpoints and, and, and satisfying that, actually, as PD from from a curriculum leader perspective, actually using the checkpoints, seeing the representations, seeing all the kind of advice on challenge and uh, and where you would go next or how you would support, like that is just amazing professional development. You know, if 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 departments have got the opportunity to sit and discuss you know what the ideas that you've put on there and think about why you've chosen certain questions or why you've chosen certain advice um yeah there's loads that you could take from it to develop your staff um yeah Becky yeah, we, we really hope that is the case um we have got some seminars that come with the each um each batch that's published um so there are two opportunities plus a recording if teachers want to, to watch that but as we were discussing and planning our seminars, we realised that actually if teachers did these in departments, there'd be quite a lot of PD there in itself. Um, lots of discussion opportunities for what this looks like at primary, for adaptations, for what kind of responses children might have and what that would mean for their understanding. Um, and so we are publishing some departmental workshops alongside it. So if teachers do want to do this as part of their department, there is some guidance there to help draw out some of those themes and re-support your department to get the most out of them. Um, just for our listeners, I, uh, I will put links to the seminars that you can sign up for, to the departmental workshops, to everything that's being talked about on the podcast page. Um, Steph, did you want to come in there? Yeah, um, I was just going to add as well. It might be completely different because I'm in such a rare, amazing opportunity to have a lot of time with my staff all focused on just year seven. Like it's it is incredible. Um, so every curriculum um meeting we do get a chance to really think about the checkpoints but also um like i said before i'm not I, we're not using the the sample framework but at the same time um we've also mapped the secondary pd material to it so actually in a departmental uh, meeting all we do is you know get the nctm pd material um secondary pd material out it's we have it as pre-reading you know we read through it we then think about the key themes of that topic and then how it maps to the checkpoints so we can be a little bit more decisive on actually which bits are so appropriate to what we're going to be going on to in that next two weeks so it's kind of a it's a whole picture it's including the checkpoints it's including the pd material and then also the scheme of learning that we're, we're using as well so interesting thank you what i'd like to do now is to drill down into a specific checkpoint and um ask steph to describe how she's used this um so we're going to look at checkpoint four from deck three which is called dots and one of the reasons i've chosen this is because i thought i could describe it um on in audio but i will put a picture of it on the podcast page as well so it starts off it's got four children on it and the first question is that grace places a dot on a number line it is five away from zero where might grace's dot be and then it moves on to max who places his dot on a number line which is seven away from three and then 
Emily, who places her dot on a number line which is 100 away from 1. And finally, Adam, who places his dot on the number line, which is one away from one quarter. So, Becky, do you want to start by describing what you're getting at with that checkpoint? What was your intention here? Sure. So this comes from a section on negative numbers. Um, now, children's experience of negative numbers at primary school is very much based around the number line, around counting through one or calculating through one through zero, calculating through zero um, or counting through zero. Um, and the previous few checkpoints use visuals such as number lines. It's the first one that doesn't, um, but asks children to imagine a number line. And it really is looking at their um, their understanding of counting or calculating through zero, their understanding that negative numbers exist for a start. The fact that there are, do children even select a negative option? They might be very tempted to for graces because it's five and minus five. But for maxes, where you have to actually start to think about bridging zero with your seven um are they so confident and then obviously emily's and adam's ask them to think much more abstractly you know a number line bigger than they will have ever seen or looking at fractions with adam so we're really looking at their confidence with with negative numbers and whether they are able to start to abstract it and bring it away from the number line okay and steph do you want to describe using that checkpoint and what sort of conversations it it, pro it provoked in your classroom Yes, so um, first thing probably to say is that the majority of the children in my year seven classes did just want to give me one answer. Um, they wanted to give me the positive answer rather than the option to go below zero as well. Um, and I had to kind of prompt that. Um, I also I also added a number line. Um, and while I kind of want to imagine uh, them to imagine the number line as well and kind of keep it keep it in their mind I wanted to provide them a number line just from say I've, I've, I did like negative six to ten just so they could have um, a little bit of support with the first question to realize that they can go below zero um, and and above zero and then specifically as well with that first one where it's they've got to do one five away from zero to notice that kind of um, symmetry and that reflection across zero almost that it's it's five one way and, and five the other way and, and because it's zero then the I guess I would call it the absolute number the five negative five and five like what do we notice about both of those digits um, and, and that kind of thing um, it was a, a really interesting actually when when we got to the question where it said about a hundred away they really really struggled with the negative one um so actually right. that told me that the number line was helpful for that beginning bit where they could see the negative one but when i was asking them to do a hundred away from one um yeah they did they did really struggle because it was not quite zero i think if it, if it was a hundred away from zero it would have been a different story but because it was away from one um it was it was a little bit trickier um but yeah, the, the main point for me as well, and I, I've seen in the, the primary spine material, um, it has a real emphasis on that balance between kind of how far away negative four is and four, how far away is negative three and three, negative two and two, and and, and having that balance. Um, and that, that's why I wanted to use this checkpoint as well, because I thought that that balance across zero is helping them to eventually if I wanted to bring in kind of double-sided counters or algebra tiles for for negative numbers that that might help to transition into that as well but just to point out that the the additional question on this checkpoint is um 
how far apart are the dots so I think that's what Steph's talking about just now yes and it might be worth um, just saying at this point Gwen that there is a further thinking question every slide I don't think I mentioned that in the structure and um, so that every slide has a further thinking question for um there's generally quite open-ended and the idea is if you do need to spend more time for some children on the main checkpoint task but you have got children who are really flying they've got something to really get them thinking and not just keep them occupied keep them thinking was kind of our, our vibe when we were when we were writing those Right. OK, that's useful to know. Thank you. Right. Can we have a look at another checkpoint? Um, so this one is checkpoint 16. Arithmetic quick. Yes, it's in deck four. So these are the two new decks that have just been published. Um, deck three was the one we were just discussing dots from. And this one is deck four. And the, the uh, checkpoint is called Arithmetic quick. And um, this slide is a list of um, arithmetic questions that all look very long and complicated but uh, from what I understand and Becky can put me right in a minute from what I understand the idea is that the question is easy if you can see the easy way through it so the first question for example is 5 times 37 plus 3 times 37 plus 2 times 37 and when I read it with that intonation you can probably immediately see the quick way of doing it but when it's written out on the page and if you were just a year seven, then you might not see the quick way of doing it. Am I right there, Becky? Yes, yeah, so looking at the distributive law here and unitising, really. Um, and the checkpoint that precedes it um, is very similar, but looks at using symbols. So children can start to see that there are, there are triangles in the calculation and squares in the calculation and that you can group your triangles and group your squares. And this builds on that. Um, we're not suggesting that you have to use checkpoints in any particular order, but these two are a bit of a pair, really. Um, so, yeah, so this looks at can children recognise that they can rewrite these questions and that they are beautifully simple when you rewrite them? Right. OK. And Steph, do you want to do you want to tell us how this went down in your classroom? Yes. Um, so, I mean, for one, I I absolutely love this checkpoint. Um, and and if you start talking to the children about, you know, efficiency and not just diving straight into a question, um, I think that's one thing on the whole. It, it, as a summary to the checkpoints, it's kind of taught them to, you know, see what they notice first before diving in. Um, so we'd done quite a lot of pre-work on the distributive law anyway, um, because at the moment we're, we're thinking about um, algebra notation and, and we're, we're starting to think about unitising and that if we've got so many groups of A, add so many more groups of A, then we can collect that together as, you know, the total amount of A's that we've got all together. Um, so we've do, been doing a lot of work to do with uh, unitising and bringing in the distributive law anyway. So I would say that for this for this one, I, I did do a, a little bit of kind of pre-teaching before I got to this one um, almost um, and just kind of tried to show them that when they're doing a calculation such as, I don't know, 18 times five or something, that half the time that they are actually using the distributive law that they're, they're doing 10 times five and and then another eight times five and therefore um this is even though it looks a little bit scary it's it's not um can i just so, stop you there can one of yeah. you just um give me a definition for unitizing in a nutshell because i think it's something that um primary teachers are using a lot more but i'm i'm not sure that everybody in secondary will know what we mean by unitizing even if we're using it all the time one really nice example, actually, that I, as a secondary teacher, that really helped me um, understand unitising was um, part of the primary material. Um, I think it was like early years or, or year one or something like that. Um, and they they showed two purses on a screen. 
and one of the purses had like say four five pence coins in and then the other purse had like 12 two pence coins um and the question was which purse would you like prefer to have and obviously a child who doesn't understand unitizing would go for the two pence coins because there's 12 coins in there they want more coins whereas the 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 child that knows the unitizing they would have gone for five pence coins but less of them because they know that they're each worth five pence so that they can count up in fives and they'll get a larger total. I will also put a link to um, an article I wrote about unitizing which is based on the primary uh, curriculum but it does kind of give an idea of what it is so so we can uh, <laughs> so I think it's something that secondary teachers won't realize they're doing and not yeah. it won't have had a name put to it yeah. um and in, in my head when i look through the curriculum it's a sense that anything can be a unit and if you think of something as a unit it sometimes simplifies the math that you're doing yeah um, and it, yeah it depends on the, the context that you're working in as to, as to what, what what is your unit at the time and it's fundamental in place value as well isn't it because you're then using units of 10 and units of 100 yeah, which is I think part of the reason that we tend to use units less and, and ones more because anything can be a unit, but specifically a one is has a value of one. You mean when we're naming the place value columns? Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um now where were we? Steph, you were you you were talking about Arithmetic um and uh how it's gone down in your classroom, weren't you? <laughs> yes. Um I, I've actually got quite a, a a good example for how I use this one. So um, if if the listeners can see a, a picture of this and you describe the first question as um, five times by 37 add three times by 37 add two times by 37. Yeah. That first question, I actually helped my year sevens out and I provided them with counters in units of 37. So on my screen, I had I just had that first one up uh, to begin with and I had five counters each with 37 come on and then I had another three counters with 37 come on and then another two counters with 37. So they could see that my my counters, my unit was 37 and I, yes, I've got five and then another three and then another two, but I could say that I've got 10 altogether if we bring them together because my unit stayed the same. Um, so I was kind of helping them to come to the generalisation that if we've got so many lots of a number add so many more lots of the same number then we can co collect them together um so and actually it was really powerful that they were like oh why would i even work out five times 37 and three times 37 separately when i could just do 10 groups of 37 and that's easy because i'm times in by 10 so it was quite a nice empowered moment that they they were they were quite oh this is amazing I can, I can do it so quickly um I don't need to like rush into it and do a column for each individual multiplication actually it's going to be amazing um so yeah once they'd give, been given that representation which is a representation that we'd used in previous lessons in the build-up to this as well um the majority of them were absolutely fine so the third one down for example is seven groups of 7,632.54 and another three groups of the same and that was fine because in their head even though I hadn't got the counter on the screen in their head they were thinking right each each counter is 7,632.54 and I've got seven of them and then I've got another three of them so I've got 10 of them 10 times that number um so that representation really really helped 
and then when it comes a, a little bit later on, there's kind of a non-example. So part G is explain why you can't use that sort of way or, or that it's not representing the um, distributive law straight away. So actually they could see, well, yeah, my counters would be different, obviously. One would have this amount on and one would have this amount on. So, um, yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Can I just um, hop in there yeah. we'll talk Go about ahead. where this goes next. Um, <coughs> we, when we were talking about this one in the writing process, we wanted it to look challenging so they'd have like, like the experience that Steph decided they're uh, describing of it being suddenly brilliant, but it needed to have something not too intimidating as part A. Um, and it's really, when we were designing it, we were thinking about the skills they use at primary, this unitized, this ability to, to group things that are the same in a calculation, and that it goes next towards collecting like terms. And it was really tempting to put a letter version as a part H, because that's where this goes next. And we had to really rein ourselves in, because this is not about teaching, this is about checking. Um, this is about checking what they know already, but hopefully by really drawing out really specific skills and, and knowledge, we're helping teachers to know exactly what precursors are there that you're building on when you come to collecting like terms. Because I think when I was teaching collecting like terms in my early career, I didn't really think about unitising and I didn't think about the skills at primary that we were building on. It felt like something new that I was just starting with them straight away in year seven or eight. I'm introducing you to algebra. I didn't think enough about their journey before algebra um, in secondary and that actually there were lots of primary schools, although it didn't involve letters, although it didn't involve some of the notation that I was introducing, the skills were still there and the knowledge they needed was still underneath. Um, so I hope this helps secondary teachers to understand a bit more about what they're building on um, as their children come up. Right, yeah, that's really interesting. Steph, um, did you do you want to come in there? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, just to build on what, what Becky just said, actually, this this worked perfectly because then it allowed me in my next lesson um, to actually bring their algebra in and, and kind of take an example from here and say, what's the same, what's different? Like, what do you notice? Um, and, and so I think, actually, you're completely right to not put the algebra in there because that then was that my job to actually say, right, we've seen that in the checkpoint. Let's pull it out. Let's use what we've learned here to then bring some algebra into bring some letters into it um so yeah becky do what you want to say i should say just the, on the guidance slide we do talk about the idea of using anything to represent a unit so using counters or or physical objects can help and in the assessing understanding section we talk about if they are confident perhaps do give a further example using letters um, and a lot of what um, Steph's talking about there about the, uh, the, the, the secondary professional development materials are linked to the additional resources as well. So if you're not familiar with the NCTM's PD materials or some of the stuff that's on the website, where it is relevant, we've taken teachers directly to it. So there are links to help you kind of find your way through all that. There's a, there's a huge amount of really rich stuff on the NCTM website. And we've tried to make it a bit easy to navigate and direct people to things that are specifically relevant to that checkpoint, both in primary and in secondary. Yeah, that will certainly help because there's a lot of material there and knowing where to start is difficult, isn't it? So I think yeah. uh, sending people straight to the right place is helpful. Right. So this is checkpoint two in deck four. And um, there's three diagrams of the very classic balance shape where you're looking at uh, things balanced on either side. And I'm very familiar with using these to teach algebra, but there isn't any algebra on this page. But I'm sure that's where they're going. Um, so it's the first balance has got a circle and a triangle on one side and nine on the other side. And the question is, um, and the scales are balanced. The question is, what might be the mass of the triangle and the circle? Is there more than one answer? 
Uh, Steph, do you want to tell us where you went with this checkpoint? Yes. Um, I really like this checkpoint um, because it, it kind of had a mixture of a lot of things that were opened a lot of discussion, um, such as the first one being that there is, you know, different answers um, limited to our number bond, number bonds to nine. Um, so, yeah, it was it was nice to kind of push that one and say, oh, have you have you got them all? How do you know? And thinking about like a strategic way of finding that they've got all the different combinations that that make nine. Um, so, yeah, it was a really nice question. And and if I'm honest, I, I then after we'd done this checkpoint, because we hadn't started um, algebra notation yet, I'd done it as like a the part of the two weeks before we got there. I did say, oh, we've done some amazing algebraic thinking there. Um, you, you know, because I'd heard them saying, oh, algebra, I don't want to do algebra. We're quite scared of algebra, blah, blah, blah. even though I don't know where they get that from. Um, I kind of it was a nice moment for me to say not to dwell on it, but just say, oh, wow, you guys have done some amazing algebraic thinking there. Like, that's that's so good. I can't wait till we start the topic. You're going to be amazing. Um, yeah, so it was it was a nice moment in that respect as well. Becky, do you want to say something about yeah, that one? That's really lovely to hear, um, because when working with Alison and Rich on this deck, we really thought about the differences in primary and secondary for algebra. And, you know, I've had the same teaching kids where algebra has been very much a, an intimidating thing, something that they don't want to you know. We've introduced letters and suddenly math doesn't make any sense to me anymore. But um, actually, there's loads of algebraic thinking in the primary curriculum all the way through, even at Key Stage 1. Um, and just children don't recognise that what they're doing is algebra because it looks so different. And that's hearing you say that is really heartening because that was our intention behind this deck was that the checkpoints would look familiar that allow teachers to really assess their understanding of the algebraic thinking the reasoning that that sits behind the formal algebra that we teach at secondary um, and feel familiar and hopefully you know not all children will feel confident we know that there'll be some who struggle but hopefully feel a lot more confident than they would have done if we could give them exactly the same thinking and done an a b a plus b equals nine two a plus b equals eleven 2a plus b is less than 22 we could have written it in notation and it would have felt very intimidating and hopefully this helps to to bridge that gap and give teachers a chance to see what children can do um using their primary experience yeah go on steph um i that's kind of really resonated with me actually because what what you've just said about like replacing the um like the the circle or the triangle with a or b or whatever a letter um i actually don't think i do enough of that so in terms of professional development for me it was a nice moment of reflection to say do i actually ever ask a child um like here is um here we've you've got an equation we've got um x add b is equal to nine what could the value of x we what could the value of b be almost like diving straight into right we need to solve this equation like this this one step or two step equation it's going to have one um answer for the for the letter actually do i do enough of that exploring oh what could it be could it be this is there more than one answer um it's almost like that middle bit is missing for me and yeah so it helped me to to think about that as well becky that's brilliant. That's exactly what we hoped. And we talked a lot about what is difficult for children at Key Stage 3 when they're introduced to algebra. And actually, 
that are expected to treat letters in lots of different ways. Letters can be the answer because you could be, you know, collecting right terms and your, your answer has a letter in it. But letters can also represent lots of different numbers. You know, when you're looking at linear graphs, your X represents a whole infinite range of numbers or they can represent one specific number when you're solving an equation. And actually, unless we explore the fact that that is possible with children and explain why in different circumstances one or other of those answers is right, we're expecting them to do a lot of work themselves to make sense of this. And so we talked a lot when we designed Checkpoint 2 about we wanted to have one answer where there was a whole range, you know, a whole range of variables that the answer could be. And then we wanted to move it on to where there's one specific answer so that teachers could dwell on that and think about what's changed? Why does part B only have one possible answer, but part A had, had loads, infinite answers? So we're giving it, these are 10 minute-ish activities and, um, this could go you could dwell quite a long time on that if you wanted to and so they are rich enough that if teachers did find that there was a teaching moment like that a chance to dwell and discuss that there, there are opportunities within these checkpoints hopefully to have those those deeper discussions that hopefully will lay really good foundations for some of the harder concepts that you have to build on as a key stage three unfolds great thank you so one of the things we haven't talked about very much is that um there is associated professional development seminars that go alongside these checkpoints um, that teachers can sign up for. And uh, I'll put all the details on the podcast page, of course. Um, some of these have happened and there's recordings you can watch. Some of them are still to happen and they are interactive. So worth going along rather than watching the recording if you can. Um, Becky, do you want to say anything more about those or is that enough of an explanation? No, that, that sums up. I think um, it's worth kind of saying that we have a good bit of input from Alison, who is our kind of primary link, because she talks a lot about what the experience at primary and the journey through primary will be. So I know a lot of teachers have found that really, really helpful. Um, and then Richard and I will kind of delve on a couple of dwell on a couple of checkpoints and um, and look at some of the design. And that's where it's a bit interactive. and You get a chance to do some checkpoints yourselves as teachers. Um, but the bit that's been really warmly received, which Steph is contributing to in our uh, second batch of seminars, is, is the view from the classroom. So teachers who've used these in the classroom um, talking about how they've used them, the adaptations, the responses of children. And I think teachers have found that really, really helpful to hear some ideas of how, what practically these look like in the classroom and what practically children say when these are in front of them. Yeah. You know, if, if, if people are listening and think, oh, actually, I do want to dive into the checkpoints and I want to use them. Actually, you know, we don't have a lot of time as teachers. So I like that seminar as like, right, this is my checkpoint time. I'm going to really think about them. It's it's something that I'm not distracted by other things. Like I'm focused on that. Um, yeah. And just really seeing where things fit into our scheme of learning. Um, and I would say if you're not using the sample framework from the NCTM, it, it's 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 no it's no big deal you can map them to to whatever scheme of learning you're using and use the pd material from the secondary to to kind of feed into that as well so yeah no thank you for for doing them becky I, i'm really enjoying using them i think it's also possibly a good moment to mention that we have um a base camp for the checkpoints which is um, it's a website which is free to use there's a community on there um and i'm sure you'll share the link as well but we've had a lot of teachers contributing just really quick messages about how they've used them in the classroom and what their children have done and their responses and that's been really fascinating um seeing those conversations get started there's one in um deck one called all the threes and there was a really interesting discussion on that in the last couple of weeks um some really varied responses to it um and it's been really interesting for us as, as, as kind of the writers of these to see things happening beyond what we intended and right which I find really, it's really informing kind of the writing going forward as well. 
Oh, that's I'd really useful. encourage people to get involved with that. Okay, and so um, that rather than the Twitter t uh, hashtag? Also the Twitter hashtag, that is okay. also good. Um, <laughs> we'll put them all in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much to my guests today, Becky Donaldson from the NCETM secondary team and Steph Kirk from Trinity Academy St Edwards in Barnsley. We hope that our conversation will have inspired you to download some of the checkpoints and have a go with them in your year seven classes. You can find out more at nctm.org.uk forward slash checkpoints. And I'll put some links on the podcast page, as I've been saying all the way through. Um, and you can also join the discussion about checkpoints in the base camp that Becky mentioned. I'll put a link on the podcast page and do keep listening to our podcast. We'll aim for a variety of interesting guests, as usual, this term, talking about maths education in their classrooms. If you know someone we really should interview, please do get in touch. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>